Voice of America. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the September 29th edition of the sunny side of sports. After a nearly two-week break, action resumes this weekend in the English Premier League. Widely regarded as the world's most popular and competitive football league, top of the table Arsenal will host Tottenham Hotspur in one of the matches on Saturday. The Gunners of Arsenal have 18 points from seven matches, one point more than Tottenham and Manchester City. Man City will be back on the pitch Sunday when it plays local rival Manchester United. Man U currently has 12 points from six matches heading into the game at Man City's Etihad Stadium. I know former South African star Benny McCarthy is looking forward to Sunday's match. In late July, McCarthy made a move that sent shockwaves across the football world. He joined Man U as a first-team coach. Former Bafana Bafana striker McCarthy is his country's all-time leading goal scorer, but his coaching career in his homeland was a limited, albeit very successful one. But as Darren Taylor reports, that didn't prevent Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag from hiring him. The man behind McCarthy's shock move is his Johannesburg-based but globe-trotting agent, Rob Moore. Unbeknown to his client, Moore contacted Ten Hag shortly after the Dutchman was appointed United manager in May. At the very least, I thought he may be an interesting candidate for Eric to consider. Moore suggested to Ten Hag he should look no further than McCarthy to be first-team attacking coach. As a player, he played at Ajax, so he understands how a lot of Dutch coaches think. He speaks four languages, English, Dutch, uh, Spanish, and Portuguese, which is always very important when you are communicating with players and players of a big club where you sign players from all over the world. Then, says the agent, there was the matter of McCarthy's illustrious career as one of Europe's top goal scorers. He's a player who's won the Champions League. He's a player who won the Golden Boots as a top scorer in Portugal in 2004, and he came runner-up to Didier Drogba as the second-highest goalscorer in the English Premier League in 2007. McCarthy also played for Blackburn Rovers and West Ham in England. Moore says that experience and knowledge of the English League also helped get an interview with Ten Hag. Benny spoke about the time when he's been coaching in South Africa, and I think he mentioned something about under his time at Cape Town City and at Amazulu, Nine players had never represented their country before, and they won their first cap for their countries while being under the coaching of Benny McCarthy. So what that meant is that Benny McCarthy is not only a coach that can be on the field and win things, but he's a coach that can make players better, which may sound like an obvious thing, but it's not, because a lot of coaches may look 
and they might buy players that are already established and at the peak of their career. Then it becomes more of how can they fit in tactically, how do their characters fit in, et cetera, et cetera. But a coach who can also make players better is also invaluable. A few days after McCarthy's interview with Ten Hag, the manager invited him to take a coaching session of the United Under-23 squad. About two months later, says Moore, he received a text from Ten Hag to offer McCarthy the job. Six games into the season, United midfielder Bruno Fernandes told South Africa's Supersport channel McCarthy had already made an impact. It's a pleasure for me because as a young player I was seeing him in Portugal, playing obviously for Porto, scoring many goals and it was a joy to see him. And obviously having him now for many of my friends and some of my family, they support Porto, will be good for them that they can come to Manchester and see him obviously, they will get a photo with him and everything. Working with him is a really funny person, he's, he's always positive, he's a good energy on, on the dressing room, on the training ground. It was quality as a player, it's quality as a manager because we do many drills from finishing, from headers and stuff that he was really doing really well when he was playing. So he can hopefully help us to score some goals that we didn't yet. United lost its first two matches, but then won the next four, including impressive wins over arch rivals Arsenal and Liverpool, during which the team scored five goals earning McCarthy praise from Red Devils fans. McCarthy grew up in Hanover Park, an area of Cape Town notorious for gang violence. But instead of doing drugs and toting guns, the youngster spent most of his time playing soccer in the streets, imagining himself playing for his beloved Manchester United. He established himself in South Africa before playing for several of Europe's best clubs. McCarthy says the highlight and low light of his career was scoring a brace of goals for Porto that knocked United out of the Champions League in 2004. Porto went on to win the trophy and McCarthy remains the only South African so far to have achieved that remarkable feat. Now, Moore jokingly says, Penny wants to make amends for that by helping Red Devils target men like Cristiano Ronaldo, Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho to find the net and lead Man United to glory. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren. Darren quoted Benny McCarthy saying the highlight and low light of his career was scoring two goals for Porto that knocked his beloved Manchester United out of the UEFA Champions League in 2004. Well, if you go to the Sunny Side of Sports Facebook page on this Thursday, you'll see a photo of Benny scoring one of those goals against Man U in 2004. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. The South Africa Football Association says it will bid for the 2027 FIFA Women's World Cup, seeking to bring the event to Africa for the first time. South Africa was the first African country to host the FIFA Men's World Cup in 2010. The announcement that it will bid on the Women's World Cup 
comes after South Africa's national women's team, nicknamed Banyana Banyana, beat host Morocco 2-1 in July to win this year's African Women's Championship. For reaction to the Women's World Cup bid, Iron Mike Mbonye contacted South African women's football analyst Busasiwe Mokwena. I think Safa um, uh, showing an interest to bid for the 2027 Women's World Cup is an indication that the association or the federation rather is behind women's football. Um, over the years, women's football in South Africa has been growing, especially after Banyana's um, performance at the 2017, uh, 2019 rather, FIFA Women's World Cup. After that, we saw a number of players moving overseas. Um, you know, uh, this shows that there's plenty, plenty of talent. And having suffered to affirm this by, you know, showing an interest to bid for the 20, 2027 World Cup, that means that, you know, women's football is in is definitely in the right direction. I mean, the country has um, some of the best infrastructure, some of the best stadiums, you know, that um, the continent, um, you know, has seen. So it is definitely a move in um, uh, the right direction, ensuring that, you know, there is uh, some support for women's football. Busisiwi, what's your take on women's football in Africa? And what should be done to make it more popular? I think having professional leagues for women's football on the continent is what will make women's football on the continent become more popular and become um, as big as it should be. Um, uh, We've seen a number of players from the continent, not just only South Africa, but from Nigeria, from uh, Zambia, from um, Mali as well, moving to Europe or the USA or um, in China where they play professionally. Um, Just imagine if those players would be able to play uh, football in their own countries, in their own continent, whether um, a Mali player moving to South Africa or a South African player moving to Nigeria to compete there in a professional league that is what would change the face of women's football on the continent getting sponsorship getting corporate to put in money to make um, it possible for for clubs to be able to pay their players to play the sport that they love and the the sport that they actually really talented in Um, uh, I think that's what needs to change the the pumping in more money in women's football so that it, it, it becomes professional um, getting a specialized uh, marketers to grow women's football to market it to people who actually you know love women's football but also people who will be able to um, introduce and gain new fans to to you know um, watch and, and love football that is what would uh, change the face of women's football on the continent that's South African women's football analyst, Busasiwe Mokwena, and she spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Johannesburg, South Africa. Sporty greetings. I am Busasiwe Mokwena, South African sports journalist. You are listening to the sunny side of sport on The Voice of America. Do enjoy.
I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. You can check out your favorite VOA programs, including the sunny side of sports, at voaafrica.com. And for world news, go to voanews.com. of America is celebrating its 80th year of broadcasting. Time for another sunny side of sports flashback. In 2010, the Voice of America sent me to Johannesburg, South Africa for coverage of the FIFA World Cup. One of my best memories of that trip, Darren Taylor, who we heard at the top of the show, treating me to probably the best steak I've ever eaten in Johannesburg. Tender, delicious, savory. Darren Taylor, you get a sunny side of sports salute. host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. More African football news. As I mentioned on Wednesday's show, Ghana was the only one of Africa's five World Cup-bound teams to win on Tuesday. And just to review the results of the friendly international matches involving Africa's five World Cup-bound teams, Cameroon lost to host South Korea by a 1-0 margin. Tunisia also lost getting thrashed by Brazil 5-1 in Paris. African champion Senegal drew one all with Iran. Morocco played a scoreless draw against Paraguay. The Black Stars of Ghana defeated Nicaragua 1-0 in Spain on a goal by 18-year-old Abdul Fatou Isahaku. In this encore sunny side of sports feature presentation, 
Yawafusu Larbi tells us more about the talented teenager. Fatal Isahaku's reputation precedes him. Goals, assists, and a sweet left foot. He has become the most exciting youngster the country has seen in recent years. Before he played at the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations and won with the Black Satellites, he had already captained the Black Starlets at the Wafu Under-17 tournament and had gained remarkable grounds in Ghana's Division I league. Let's roll back the years a bit. Fatal grew up in Ijua for a little while before his family relocated to Tamale, the capital of the northern region. Fatal Ishahaku grew up in the house behind me. On the streets, he played football when he was young, before he made it to the big leagues. His mom tells me he started very early in his incredibly young life, and his tough home training and strong religious beliefs are what have kept him on the straight and narrow. Blessed with a blend of technique, vision and power, Fatal rose quickly. Despite his obligations at home, he would eventually take to organized football very easily. The young midfielder was a member of the Tamale Utrecht Colts ranks and was under the watchful eye of the club's overseer, Abu Moro. But after failed attempts, botched moves overseas and the loss of trust in the system, he moved to join Steadfast Football Club, where the stars began to align. On this patchy grass field in the heart of Tamale, he learned to hone his skills with the Steadfast Football Club. Much of what he knows now, he learned under the able tutelage of former Ghana star, Mohamed Gago. Many years have passed since Gago wowed Ghanaian football fans on the pitch. A fair bit of Ghanaians, old and young, know who he is and give him the deserved respect. These days, he stands on the sidelines, watching his team play. He stands quietly, hands behind his back, looking on pensively and thinking through several tactical tweaks. It is through his system that Fatal Ishahaku got national recognition. Fatal's flair and willingness to express himself was a dose of color in steadfast Doris times. Gago himself started as a young lad and he sees a bit of himself in the young Ishahaku. Fatal is an exceptional player. He's a, he's a God-given talent that he has. Um, you see Fatal play and uh, you remind of yourself of, of uh, I was lucky to be there to watch Abedi Pele when he was uh, still with Real Tamale United when I was a coast team player growing up until I, I caught up with, with, with them a little bit before he, he left. I mean, you, you, you see the replica of Abedi Pele in, in Fatal. His touches, his movement, the speed, the passing, the, the, the awareness, ability of holding on to the ball and doing whatever he wants to do with the ball. I mean, you, you, you can see that in Fatal. My only wish is to see Fatal become the next uh, uh, Ballon d'Or player of, of Africa. Uh, aside from the football, what kind of person is he? Well, Fatal is a very, very uh, sociable kind of a guy. I mean, he, 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 he brings out the excitement in our camp. He, 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 he plays around and he's, he's, he's a, a, an easygoing kind of a guy. That, that I know. And, and to talk of respect, he's someone that is down to earth. And, and he's coming, I, I believe, and I know, I, I personally know his father, and I know he's coming from a, a very, very humble background. And he's, got, he's gotten a very good parenting, uh, as well as uh, the, the bank ruler of the club. You know, he, he lived with him. So I think Fatal is uh, 
is, 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 a, is a easy going guy. Fatal is the youth star of the north, and like many before him, he is adored in the city of Tamale and its adjoining towns. His teammates talk of a boy who's obsessed by the game and always has a ball with him. I think Fatal Isako is a definition of football itself. Because looking at the talent Fatal Isako is having, it's, in, it's unimaginable. I think he's gifted. To me, I can compare him to Lionel Messi. Because looking at how Fatal Isako is, words can describe the talent he's having. To me. Fatahou's presence with the Black Stars will, will, will give us a, a, a morale booster. You know, Fatahou is a such player that when you give him one second, he will punish you. Fatahou Isaku is a cool person. He's an entertainer <laughs> because during when he was staying with us, when we come to camp, he will give us some motivation in camp. Uh, I don't think he's a kind of person who takes himself to be a high-level person, but he's just a cool guy, just like normal human beings. He's very cool and he's very entertaining. His inclusion in the Black Stars has excited many. When I see him, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed about whatever he's doing in the, in the pitch. Yeah. Because for the board, yeah, everybody knew what he's, what he's doing. Yeah. So we are impressed. His attitude to the game is the thread which binds the many stages of his young life. A testimony as to the caliber of player he is. He is dedicated, loyal, humble, and loved by many. For the sunny side of sports, this is Yao Fusulabi in Accra. Thanks, Yao. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of BOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. And as the Voice of America celebrates its 80th year of broadcasting, how about another sunny side of sports flashback? Larry London, our Border Crossings host, invited me a few years ago to come to the studio as he was interviewing the Welsh crooner, Sir Tom Jones. And as a crowd waited with bated breath for Sir Tom Jones, I was waiting too. But then, right around the corner, came my good friend, Terry Daniels, wearing his Kobe Bryant warm-up outfit. I couldn't resist. I told the crowd... I don't know about Tom Jones, but Kobe Bryant is in the house. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. One of the sports stories making headlines here in the USA is New York Yankees slugger Aaron Judge tying Roger Maris's American League single-season record of 61 home runs. 
Judge blasted his 61st homer on Wednesday night to help lead the Yankees to an 8-3 victory over the Toronto Blue Jays. The AP's John Letherby reports from Toronto. Judge hit the record-tying home run to put him next to Yankees great Roger Maris in the seventh off Toronto reliever Tim Meza. The Yankees DH mobbed by his teammates after crossing home plate, the crowd of over 37,000 giving him a standing ovation. Judge says tying Maris's record still leaves him lost for words. What Maris, you know, did in this game, you know, how he played the game, you know, what type of person he was, um, Getting to be linked with him forever is, you know, a moment that I definitely will never forget. And now the anticipation of Judge breaking the American League single season record begins Friday night when New York plays host to Baltimore. John Leatherman, Toronto. At the post-game news conference, Aaron Judge talked more about his record-tying achievement. It's an incredible honor, you know, and getting a chance to be, you know, associated with, you know, one of the Yankee greats, you know, one of baseball's greats. Uh, you know, be enshrined with him forever is, you know, it's words can't describe it, you know, and um, that's one thing that's so special about the Yankees organization is all the guys that came before us and kind of paved the way and, you know, played the game the right way, did the things the right way, did a lot of great things in this game and getting a chance to be, you know, mentioned with those guys now is, I, I can't even describe it. It's 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 uh, incredible honor, that's for sure. Aaron Judge also talked about the incredible honor with Roger Maris's son, Roger Maris Jr. He just really was just congratulating, um, you know, saying he's got to spend a lot of time with my my family and get a chance to meet them and um, just had a lot of great words to say. And I just, you know, really thanked him and um, said what an honor it was. And, you know, getting a chance to be associated with his with his father is something that he <laughs> You, you dream about about things like that, and for him to come to all the home games, come out here to Toronto and support and be there, this is uh, definitely means a lot. That's for sure. That's New York Yankees slugger Aaron Judge speaking in Toronto, Canada, where he tied Roger Maris's single season American League record of 61 homers. That 61 homer mark has been exceeded six times by players in the National League. But all those players in the National League, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, they've had their marks tainted by performance-enhancing steroids. And many baseball fans feel the true, clean, home-run champions now are Roger Maris and Aaron Judge. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's Newsmaker Interview Program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at VOANews.com or connect with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Carol Castiel VOA or on Twitter at Carol Castiel VOA. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday 
on The Voice of America. Joining us now with more Major League Baseball news is the AP's Mike Reeves. In the American League, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Seattle currently own the three wildcard spots. The Mariners are four and a half games ahead of the Orioles in search of the final playoff invitation. Tampa falls to Cleveland 2-1. to one. Seattle defeats Texas 3-1. to one. And Baltimore loses at Boston 3-1. to one. The Mets get a big night from their third baseman to move into first place in the NL East. Dave Ferry reports. Eduardo Escobar capped his five RBI performance by delivering the game-winning hit in the Mets' 5-4, 10-inning comeback over the Marlins. Escobar ended the game with a base hit that scored Francisco Lindor. Uh, to have a moment like that, all, I, I give I give all the thanks to God on that. But what, what a game that, that that was and how, and how it just turned out. That's Escobar through an interpreter. The Mets trailed 4-0 until Escobar delivered a two-run homer in the seventh and a two-run single in the eighth. New York leads Atlanta by one game after the Braves lose 3-2 in 10 innings in Washington, despite getting the 30th home run of the season from Matt Olson. You set out to win the division, uh, put yourself in the best chance to succeed in the postseason, and for us, it's, it's winning the division, and still got a chance to do it. In the NL wildcard race, Milwaukee beats St. Louis 5-1 to and moves to within one-half game of Philadelphia in the chase for the final playoff spot. Milwaukee's second baseman, Colton Wong. It was going to come down to the very end, so, you know, we got two more series coming up, two more big series against two young teams that are going to come in ready to battle, so uh, we just got to make sure that we're ready to go. The Padres fall to the Dodgers in extra innings. I'm Mike Reeves. Thanks, Mike. VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Thank you for listening. And that's the sunny side of sports.